Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Fan Junkies Radio. I am your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, my partner in crime, Mike McShane. Mike, what's up, buddy? Uh, it's another Friday. What can I tell you? I'm I'm I'm, I'm here. I'm here. You're alive. You're kicking. You I'm, good? I'm alive. I'm alive. Yeah. You're a little sleepy, though, right? I am a little sleepy. A little sleepy, but uh, that's all right. Uh, I usually come alive on the air. That's all right, man. We know yeah. how those old guys need those naps, Mike. <laughs> Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> All right, well, we got a really good show today. Uh, we're going to jump right into it, and uh, bring with us right now is uh, Russ Cohen. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, planned six NHL outdoor games. Russ, how you doing, man? Good, John. How are you? We're doing good, man. Thanks for yeah, thanks for joining us, man. No we problem, really man. appreciate it on such short notice, but that's the way we like to do it with you. So, all good. All right, man. Uh, if, if nobody knows Russ, uh, Russ wrote a couple of books. We got 100 Ranger Greats, and he just wrote a book, The Winter Classic, to speak about the NHL Winter Classic. So who would who better to have on to talk about this than Russ Cohen? So, Russ, you read the uh, proposed plan here for the uh, six outdoor games. What are your feelings on the whole thing? Well, it's kind of interesting. It, it, as we know, it's not finalized because we, we yeah. cornered Peter Luco of the Flyers, and, and he swore he knew nothing about it and said, well, if the NHL comments on it, then come back and see me. So it was kind of comical the other night. But I, I think what they're trying to do is is cash in a bit regionally. I think the one thing that I saw on the on the Internet and on Twitter and everywhere else was that there'll be six Winter Classics. And, of course, there won't be. There'll be one Winter Classic. There'll be one Heritage Classic. Then there seems to be these regional games. And the regional games, could it water down the Winter Classic over time? Yeah, it could. But for every person that wants to bitch about it online on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else, there's 10 others that are going to buy tickets. And some of those people that are bitching will buy tickets. So it kind of makes me laugh in that regard. I, I do understand the concern, but I don't think it's the fans' concern to worry about how this is going to be rolled out and if it's going to work. The, the league is going to worry about if it works or not, and yeah. you worry about watching if you want to watch or not. I, I mean, the biggest thing is, to me, when I first heard about it, was it cost a million dollars for that machine that they bring out there right. to basically set up one of these events. So now, obviously, right. they'll have to double up on that because yeah. mm-hmm. they just won't have enough time. So so that's interesting. So they're making a significant investment in this. Obviously, it, I believe it'll pay off. I believe they'll get more TV coverage out of it. Yeah. I'm also thinking, and this is totally 100% speculation, but when I saw ESPN breaking the story, it made me think maybe ESPN is trying to get some sort of limited NHL coverage the same way TBS has it with MLB because generally ESPN is not usually the first to sort of break these kinds of stories, but if they were negotiating, then they certainly would have inside information. So that's just my guess. Russ, obviously you can't get in the head of Gary Bettman or the folks nope. over there, but uh, what uh, what do you think is the motive to this? Uh, it, you know, frankly, I'm opposed to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I frankly thought you would be as well. 
only because of the fact that, you know, you've, you've kind of held up the whole event of the Winter Classic. To me, I think it does kind of dilute uh, the Winter Classic. What do you think the motive is? Well, I think the motive is, is money. I think the motive is fan demand. And I think the motive is the teams really want it. Now, I do think it will dilute it. And do I think six is too many? Yeah, but I can't I can't denounce it because I think there's still going to be some great games that come out of it. And I just as an example, okay, whether you like it or not, two days ago, Martin Bordor came out and said, hey, I would love to play the Rangers in Yankee Stadium next year, where we were all thinking he was retiring this year. So now all right. of a sudden, this probably fires him up for another season because it seems like he's coming back now. And Certainly, he shut out the Flyers last night. I covered that game, so I would say that would even fire him up even more. So you might get some situations where they get to put guys like that on a big stage, Brodeur, and he hadn't played in one of those games. And I heard Chris Draper talking on NHL Network Radio recently about his time at the Winter Classic when he played in Wrigley in 2008, I think it was, and and it was unbelievable. He said it was a lifetime achievement for him to have his family there and, and go through the whole thing. So... I think we have to sort of look at it that way, too. I understand we on the East Coast look at that Dodger Stadium one and say, boy, that's a joke, that's terrible, how could you do it? However, I think people on the West Coast aren't going to care about the Islander Ranger one either. I think, And that's where I think it sort of gets regionalized a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Out of the uh, six proposed games, do you think these were the right teams and games to go with? Yeah, I think they made some good choices. I, I, I know some Devils fans are are upset that they're the home team, but it's it's out of their area. But really, where are you going to do it in Newark? I think you had to sort of look at that and say, be realistic here. Uh, so I think they picked the right teams. I think they picked franchises that could also use a financial boost, like the Devils, like the Islanders. We have to look at that, too, and say there's there's some thinking behind that and some good things that could be good for the, for the league. So... I like it. I even think the Soldier Field one's good. I kind of wonder why it's Chicago-Pittsburgh other than, hey, they want Taves and Crosby, obviously. Exactly. But that's the only reason. But I still think there probably could have been a better matchup with that one, maybe even Boston being the better matchup, go all original six. But that's okay. I mean, other than that, I, I did like what I read, and I do like the West Coast one for the sense that it would be interesting to see how it works in a warmer climate at a market. They had the one in in 91, I believe it was, in in, L, in Vegas, but they had it at night, so I'm sure they're going to have this one at night, and mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Logistically, Russ, you know this probably better than anybody else. It takes a little while to set these things up, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it, it, it takes a good... It's a couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's a week for the rink. It's like a couple of weeks for the preparation. I remember for Citizens Bank, we were up there, and it had to be two weeks out, and they started, you know, shaping the field and such. And then you get the week-long process for the rink, and, and there's constant testing for that. Dan Craig has a computer that he actually looks at the ice temperatures and everything with besides going out there so he can monitor it remotely. And I guess if they're not going to have another ice guy, he's going to have to do that to some degree, right? So that's he's going to have a, a much busier job as well. But I, I think at the end of the day, it could create some really interesting programming in the middle of an NHL season. And so for anybody who's even a purist, and even for you, Mike, if you're you're upset about it, you mm-hmm. still might find yourself watching it, and you might still see some, some pretty great action. Oh, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I mean, that's, Absolutely. You yeah. Know, that's the funny thing. I'll sit here and bitch about it, but I'm going to watch it. <laughs> right. And that's, and that's really what's happening is 
And I think the NHL, that's why they haven't confirmed anything either, because they say it's in the planning stage. They always sort of let it go out there. And you have to admit, and and this is why I can never believe 100% that everything that's being said is, is going to happen, is because with the Winter Classic, it, you get the most wild speculation ever, I found, in almost any sport. And it starts the minute one gets announced or broken. And, and yep. I've seen it. I've seen crazy stuff over the years that that never came true. But... I think there's, you know, a lot of a lot of sense to a lot of what you see here, and I think the one out west will be like a one-time thing. I think they're going to stay in traditional markets. I really do. Yeah. Okay. Do you think a lot of the bitching uh, over this is coming from the fact that if they do do this, they didn't expand by let's say a second or a third outdoor game, but going right to a number six game? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the shock because they didn't build up to it. But could they do six this year and then go back to the one? every year for the Heritage and one every year for the Winter Classic? Yeah, they might. This might just mm-hmm. be from the overwhelming demand from some of the owners that sort of haven't gotten their piece yet. And yeah. maybe maybe this is the way for the NHL to sort of placate them and also give the fans what they want. And I think I think that's what they're sort of going through right now. But I think at the end of the day, for people worried about the Winter Classic, the Winter Classic is still the, the game on January 1st. It's still going to be the one in Detroit, and that's going to go for eight days that's still going to be the marquee event. These other ones, they'll have all kinds of other names, and I'm hearing all kinds of other names thrown around, but at the end of the day, there is still only one Winter Classic. I think that's the important thing, but I yeah. do believe, yeah, it's, some people, are, it's going to get lost in the message and get muddied up a little. There's no way. There's no doubt. Yep. Yeah. Uh, another quick question before we let you go. Yep. Do you think we'll ever get an outdoor All-Star game? That you would know, be cool. I, it would be great. I can't say never because, you know, John Collins sort of led us to believe in one of the press conferences last year that almost anything could happen. So I would never I would not say never, but I, I think I think that's often the distance with the Columbus one being cancelled and there won't be one next year with the Olympics. Could the next one after that be it? I'd say hmm. there's a chance. A small chance. Right. I think that would be cool. That's that, that's definitely something we're hoping for over here. Uh yeah. Russ, uh, I know you got a book signing coming up. Where is it? Yeah, it's going to be at the Wells Fargo Center, April 23rd, Flyers, Bruins, hopefully uh, the Flyers fans that are still there. And, and they still had a pretty good crowd last night because they'll be out of the playoffs, but they'll be there in force, I'm sure, to still watch their team. Hopefully they show up and, and help us out and talk a little Winter Classic and maybe some of those Bruins fans on the road who uh, who want to see their team because I know they travel well too. Great. Awesome. Flyers fans never die. No, they always show up. They do. <laughs> it, it, you know, you get a few less each game, but – but it's never an empty building. No way. Exactly. Yeah. They die when the summer comes. That's about it. So. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're not kidding. That's exactly when we die. You're right. <laughs> All right, That's Russ, true. man. Thanks uh, Thanks so much for joining us, man, talking about this. We really appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, John. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, thanks Russ. Have a good one. Awesome stuff, ask, man. Let me ask you, John. Uh, uh, has your opinion changed at all from what it was the other day? No, I think, you know what? That's why I asked Russ that. I think the... The shock over it going right to six games if it goes through, Mike. I think that's why a lot of people were pissed off. And I think that's why I was pissed off as well, because the Winter Classic is so special. But he's right. Everybody's going to watch. I know I'm going to watch, and I'm ticked off. You're ticked off about it, and you're going to watch. So. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, but you're still of the same opinion that I am, that it, it does kind of dilute yeah, the yeah. Winter Classic. Yeah, I think it does water it down. Uh, I, I don't know how much it's going to water it down. We're going to have to get to January 1st and start from there and see what happens and see how the games follow if this does get finalized and go through, Mike. Yep. yep. 
Um, real quick, uh, let's get into our hat trick picks because uh, at around uh, twelve fifteen we should be joined by uh, University of Richmond quarterback John Lobb to speak a little bit about the NFL draft, his dreams of going into the NFL, and more. Um, hopefully, he does call in. Um, didn't receive a last minute confirmation, unfortunately. So we'll see how that pans out. If not, Mike and I we get to do our NFL mock draft. So yeah, there you go. We'll take it from there and see how it goes. But we're uh, definitely looking forward to speaking with John Lobb, uh, Mike. Real quick, um, you're up 5-4, Yep. and let's get to the questions. Which team will win tonight between my New York Rangers, who have to win, and the Buffalo Sabres? Fear not. They will. I'm taking the Rangers. Whoa. Sprinkle this guy with holy water. Okay, yeah, I'm, taking a, I'm taking the Rangers as well, of course. Uh, it's, it's a must-win game. They scored six goals last night against the Florida Panthers. Uh, let's hope they can at least score three tonight against Buffalo and Ryan Miller. Sabres have just been way too inconsistent this whole season. Yeah, they've been uh, way too inconsistent uh, more than just this season, Mike. But I, I have. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, which team will win tonight between the St. Louis Blues and the Dallas Stars, Mike? I'm going with the Blues. Blues as well. I'm a Blues man. Will Chicago Blackhawks have at least 30 shots against the Nashville Predators tonight? Chicago averages almost 32 shots a game. I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes. I'm going to say yes. So if we're right, you will sleep, be up by one. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Today in sports, Mike. Today in sports is going to take us all the way back to 1960. Uh, this was the, uh, on this day in that year, uh, some, I'm counting that, some baseball uniforms began displaying players' names on their backs in 1960. Now, I say some, of course, because uh, we, we know that the Yankees to this day still do not, right? Nope, still do not. So, found that little... Tidbit to be. They stay with the tradition, but I like the names on the back of the jersey, Mike. So, well, so do I. I think it makes it easier uh, to, uh, you know, obviously to follow uh, the, the the whole situation. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, let's get to our guest. It should be him, and if it's not, yeah. I apologize to the caller calling in. But uh, joining us right now, it should be our University of Richmond quarterback, John Lobb. John. Hey, how's it going? Hey, right. thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Good to have you, John. Good thanks for being with us. No problem. All right. Well, let's get right into it. NFL draft is coming up. Uh, you are a draftee. Um, how does it feel, uh, you know, a week before the draft? Uh, it's a little um, nerve-wracking. You just hope that, you know, a team gives you an opportunity to uh, get into a rookie mini camp and um, get an opportunity to show what you can do and uh, hopefully make those steps to move towards making a, uh, a camp and a 53-man roster. Uh-huh. Yep, absolutely. Now, um, have you had any feelers from teams? Have you, uh, you know, been in contact with any NFL teams? Uh, well, my agent is uh, handling a lot of that. Um, you know, there was 20 teams uh, at our pro day, and then the uh, Super Regional Combine I went to, there was 30 of the 32 teams there. Um, so I think I did enough to, uh, you know, put my name out there and, and uh, you know, show what I can do. So um, hopefully he's, uh, you know, He's getting some good feedback from teams and uh, hopefully get something going here leading up to the draft. There's been a lot of talk, John, about the fact this is a, a you know, it's a weak class for quarterbacks. Uh, do you think that that potentially is a benefit to you? Um, you know, I think it's more of a, just teams looking for what type of quarterbacks they want. Um, you know, I'm hoping that a team can give me a shot based on my athleticism and, uh, you know, my arm strength, what I've been able to do. Uh, on film, um, you know, the, the, 
decisions that I make, things like that. I think it's more of a team just looking for what type of quarterback fits their system and what uh, needs they, they need at that position. Now, I, you know, I, I think I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to throw it out there anyhow. Uh, let's just say you had your pick of certain teams. Is there a team that you would love to have call you? Uh, I mean, any team. I knew that was going to be the answer. <laughs> is a so, uh, you know, I, I don't have a preference. I just, you know, I'm hoping for a shot, an opportunity. Um, I mean, uh you know, you can't. You're not in a position to, to to be biased, so you're just hoping for an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, is there any uh, players growing up that you idolize that you try to mimic a little bit on the field? Um, I think one that I've been in contact uh, that I was in contact with last summer. I got an opportunity along with some other Richmond teammates to work his uh, camp. Um, is uh, Russell Wilson. I like watching him a lot. Um, you know, okay. just with his athleticism stuff, he's able to do. Um, I'd say growing up is probably, um, you know, uh, all the Cowboy quarterbacks just because, you know, my parents are Cowboys fans. So, um, you know, I, they had a – those were those, some of the teams that I watched every Sunday, but um, – some of the players I watched every Sunday. But recently I, I, I like watching Russell and like, uh, you know, watching what he's able to do every Sunday. Do you Would you say that your game is similar to his? Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, I like to think that I can use my athleticism and, uh, you know, make all the throws and, and make the good decisions. And then from an off-field uh, perspective, I know that he's a huge um, preparation guy. And I, I, I like to think that, you know, I, I um, you know, do a good job of preparing myself um, leading up to a game. So, you know, I, I think that I try to, uh, you know, he has great qualities that you want to try to mimic. So, I mean, any anyone should, you know, be trying to, uh, you know, mimic what he's doing because he's had success doing it all throughout his college and his uh, first year in the NFL, too. Let's talk real quick about uh, this past season down at uh, Richmond. Uh, you went out with, uh, you, you played seven games. You went out with a season-ending uh, injury. Uh, what were the details of that? Because I don't have that in front of me, and, uh, I got to be honest, John. I didn't. I didn't catch that game. Um, well, we were up in New Hampshire, um, and I uh, we were in the uh, red zone. I was running a QB power, and it was kind of a a freak thing. Um, you know, I just had a defensive lineman land on my ankle wrong, and I broke uh, my fibia, which is the non-weight bearing bone in your ankle. Um, okay. So I was I was out uh, for five weeks from that. If we would have um, made the playoffs, I would have. I was cleared to to come back and uh, start the playoff game, okay. but um, we didn't. We unfortunately didn't make the playoffs. But it was uh, I was out five weeks of it. I came back really quick. You know, the trainers did a great job down there trying to get me back. So um, it was it was uh, a quick recovery. But it was, I mean, it, it it obviously hurt getting um you know especially when we were on a roll, getting uh, injured like that and not being able to go out and and help your team. But um, you know, I'm 100% recovered from that. I've been doing great things with, uh, you know, my trainer as far as getting me where I need to be, uh, being able to do all the things that I used to be able to do back at, um, you know, during my senior year, getting back to that and then surpassing that level too. So, How did Richmond do this year? Uh, we did great. We had a 8-3 and three season and we were uh, ah. conference champions. Um, you know, you don't see conference champion in the CAA not make the playoffs too many times, so that was a bit of a shock, but it was still a great season. Uh, Coach Rocco did a great job with us in his first year there, um, really turned the program around. So, I mean, and they're only improving. 
Now, you played for that uh, Pennsylvania powerhouse, Parkland, as well. Uh, took them to a 15-1 and record. What was that, your senior year? Yeah, uh, senior year. We uh, The only game we lost was state championship. Um, so it was a, that was a, a great season, too. Uh, a little bit disappointing, though, if that's the only if that's the only loss you had, huh? Yeah, it's a little disappointing, but you know, you uh, you try to remember because I mean that was the last game that that group of guys was together playing. Just like you know, last year was the the last year that our Richmond team was together playing with each other. So I mean, you just gotta uh, try and forget about that, you know, and focus on those 15 wins, the, the great season that you had. Yeah. How is the environment down at the uh, NFL Super Regional Combine in Dallas? I know you were one of 11 quarterbacks that were actually selected to perform there. And uh, you also, uh, I believe I read that you had one of the uh, top agility testing numbers down there. So how was that whole environment down there? Uh, it was great. You know, uh, the quarterbacks worked out early in the morning. I think we got bust over there at uh, 6.15 in the morning. So, um, you know, it was uh, – it was a you know a get focused quick mentality because you know you wake up you got to be ready to go to perform because like I said earlier there's 30 or 32 teams there um, and then you know you get to the stadium do your little do your warm up uh, and get ready to go get after it um, you know, I was very excited when I got uh, invited because I knew it was a great opportunity that it was and then um, you know I would just try to go down there and make the most of it um, you know I ran in the four sixes four sevens um, is what my right. agent told me. And then, uh, you know, I had a, a 417 Pro Agility. Um, the, uh, my three cone was in the 6'8", 6'9", and then, uh, you know, jumped 33 and a half inches and broad 10'3". So I, I thought I did very well down there. And then, you know, the, real, the, the main thing I wanted to do down there was show that I could throw the ball well because, you know, uh, when it comes down to it, that's how, you know, a team's going to select who their quarterback is, you know. It's, it's, yeah. uh, athletic quarterback is great, but he's got to be able to make all the throws, too. So right. I was very happy with how I moved in the pocket, um, you know, threw on the run down there and, and uh, showed off my arm strength. I thought I had threw a real good uh, deep ball and deep comeback. So, you know, I was very pleased with it. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity to get down. And, I mean, how many guys can say that, that they were in Dallas Stadium doing a combine like that? So it was it was great. That's great. You come from a family of uh, football players. Uh, Dad played uh, Delaware grandfather out at Penn, and uh, your cousin is uh, Matt Millen. Um, yeah. First of all, first of all, what uh, what position did your father and then your grandfather play? And then the other question I would have for you is: uh, Has Matt had any kind of influence on you at all? Uh, well, my dad at Delaware played for uh, Tubby Raymond in their wing T offense. He was a offensive guard and offensive tackle. And my uh, my grandfather at Penn was a lineman. Also, he played with uh, Chuck Bednarik down there. Wow! And then wow. Um, uh, Matt is he's my uh, second cousin, um, and you know he hasn't uh, had much influence uh, during this process. Um, you know he uh, I I think I've seen him maybe once because um, uh, you know he's out. He was I mean doing the uh, Detroit Lions. Uh, front office stuff for a long time, and then now he's an analyst, so he's all over the place. Um, but you know, uh, haven't really had much contact with him. But um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that my uh, my dad and my uncle have uh, you know passed stuff along to him a little bit. You know, you always want to stay connected. So right, right. Let me ask you a philosophical question, John. As a young quarterback, uh, we've seen the position change uh, uh, quite a bit, uh, and, and rather recently. 
uh, with uh, RG3 and uh, then also, with, uh, as you mentioned, Russell Wilson. And, of course, here in Philadelphia, we're talking about uh, a lot of changes coming to the Eagles with the Chip Kelly kind of offense. Do you see the role of the quarterback changing uh, in the in the re- in the near future? Uh, I think that um, teams are just using uh, the tools that quarterbacks have more. I mean, using their athleticism because um, you know they're just trying to make plays and, and move that ball down the field. So I think that you know if the if the, uh, if the offensive style is is utilizing quarterbacks' running ability as well as their passing, then that's how they're going to get it done. If uh, you know it's a purely dropback scheme and and that's working for them. I think that um, you know, they're going to take full advantage of that. I, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards more that you know they're just they're just using the capabilities of the quarterback to their fullest, and they're getting the most out of their players um, that they can. Okay, so in other words, you think that the offenses are being designed around the quarterback and and what skill set that quarterback brings? Absolutely, yeah. And then I mean, they're going out and getting quarterbacks that fit that style too. Okay. Yeah. Now, let's throw a little crunch time question at you here, John. Uh, let's say I'm a uh, president, general manager of an NFL team. Uh, let's say it's the New York Jets because we all know they need a quarterback desperately. And, uh, you know, it's it's my turn to pick. I need a quarterback. Out of all the other quarterbacks in this draft, what would you bring to a team, and how would you sell yourself to them? I think I would just tell them that, you know, you're getting a quarterback that can make all the throws, in the offense that you need, can make good decisions, is going to over-prepare um, and, and, you know, know every look that he can get and, you know, go out and execute. Um, you know, also use my athleticism to uh, to, to move the ball. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's just a, a nature of getting the job done. And I think that I can do all the things that they would be asking to. And, you know, I, I bring that competitive and, uh, competitive nature and leadership to the field also. You know, uh, all my coaches at Richmond would say the same thing. So, you know, I think you're getting someone with, you know, the all-around tools that, that you're looking for to, uh, you know, move the ball down the field, put the ball in the end zone, and ultimately get wins. Yep, yep. Great, great stuff. Well, John, it, it's, it's you know, really been a uh, pleasure to have you with us. Um, you know, we wish you nothing but the best of luck next week in the NFL draft. And, uh Hopefully next time uh, you join us, you'll be a uh, NFL player for a great team. Yeah, that would be really cool. Absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll be watching it and uh, hoping we hear your name called. Absolutely, yeah. Just need a shot. You just need one team to like you. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, John. Once again, uh, best of luck next week, and uh, thanks for joining us on Fan Junkies Radio today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. You got it, John. Thanks very much. All right. Have a good one. You too. Great stuff. I mean, uh, you know, uh, just looking at some of his stats and, uh, you know, seeing the uh, kind of mobile, uh, you know, uh, quarterback that he is, uh, you know, in the later rounds there, uh, you know, he could possibly be a selection or even maybe sign on as an undrafted free agent, Mike. And, oh, there's no doubt about it. You know, really uh, make a team for himself in the league. So, and You know, I, I think, you know, that's why I asked him the question about uh, Wilson and RG3 and, and the changing dynamic right now of what we see going on with offenses in the NFL. Because it sounded to me like what he was attempting to promote himself as is more of that mobile type of quarterback that everybody seems to be yearning for. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's why I asked the question I did. You know, our offense is going to keep moving in that direction because I think you're seeing it more and more and more. Um, and, you know, you're, you're absolutely right, Jonathan. His, 
his skill set might fit right in with uh, with that type of offense if if there's a coordinator out there that's looking to go in that direction. Well, hey, listen, even like a Chip Kelly type team, what do you think? Well, you know, actually, I'm, I'm sitting here and I was actually thinking of that as uh, as he was talking um, because you know with the mini camp that was just held. Uh, for three days here in Philadelphia, and we heard a lot from a lot of the players uh, about what Chip Kelly is doing. It is incredibly innovative offensive stuff. Yeah. yeah. And well, it's see. very possible It's very possible he could fit in with something like that. Well, like I said, you know, John's a very athletic mobile quarterback, and, uh, you know, considering that he had one of the, the best time uh, for the top agility uh, test, uh, you know, down in Dallas yeah. at the uh, Super Regional Combine, hey, you know, Right there and then, you know what, you have that kind of showing out of the uh, combine, you start to make a name for yourself. So uh, we could very well hear John's name called uh, next week or uh, maybe even uh, signing as an undrafted free agent. So yep. once again, uh, you know, nothing but our best out to uh, John Lobb next yep. week. Absolutely. Um, also next week on Wednesday, uh, right before the draft, Mike, we're going to be joined by uh, Eastern Michigan linebacker Justin Cudworth. So that's going to be another good show. Really uh, talking to these uh, prospects, man. Uh, you know, one of these guys could be the next best thing, Mike. Absolutely. This is a, this is a, it's a fun, exciting time. You know, I brought it up uh, the other day. Uh, you know, it's not a sexy draft that we have coming in here. And yet, there seems to be a lot of intrigue to it. And I think there's intrigue because of the fact there is so much unknown about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just also want to uh, send out a uh, thank you to uh, the uh, Spro, uh, Pro Star. Pro Star Sports Agency, former NFL p- player Terry Ray, for uh, yeah. setting all these uh, great draftings up for us yep, this week. Absolutely. That, that, yeah, many, many thanks on that. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff, too. Uh, you know what, man? We always talk to the pros, Mike. We always talk to the retired pros or the current professionals. Uh, you know, it's really nice to get that perspective from a uh, college player who's just, he- you know, days away yep. from possibly their biggest dream ever. Absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah, talking to the young kids is nice. I like that. Absolutely. Let's uh let's stick with uh football here uh for a little bit longer, Mike. Uh and this football story has something to do with baseball. <laughs> something you sent me earlier this morning and it has to do once again with my New York Jets. Uh continues to uh look like a circus right now. I see nothing wrong with it, Mike. You're not a little you're not too happy with it. Uh you called Rex Ryan a uh, word that we can't mention on air this morning. <laughs> uh, excuse me this afternoon. And uh, it's it's Rex Ryan rips the Baltimore Orioles and Major League Baseball for um the NFL opener. The Ravens will have to travel to Denver to face the Broncos. They will not be able to open up at home in Baltimore because the Orioles will be playing that day, and the stadiums are back-to-back, right next to each other. So um, he comes out and uh, says, you know what, a- any defending champion should have to, you know, should be able to open at home. I do agree with that, Mike. We we, we spoke about that. Yeah. I do agree with that. He said, listen, you got 162 games in Major League Baseball. There's really nothing, you know, not a problem there if you miss one game in Baltimore because you're still going to be able to play 81 games there. Mike, why don't you agree with it? <laughs> Get over yourself. Uh, we're the big bad NFL, and uh, well, hey, everybody should kowtow to us and change their freaking schedules. And you know something, Major League Baseball, the Baltimore Orioles had their schedules set before the NFL did. So get over it, figure it out, figure out something else to do. I don't want to hear about it. It's ridiculous. You know, it, it just it, you know, it, it comes down to the whole thing. Oh, you know, we're bigger, we're bigger and better than you guys. So therefore, everybody should just stop in their tracks for the NFL. Uh-uh. That's how I feel about it. I, I, I mean, to me, it's 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 ludicrous. 
I, I, I don't see a problem with it. I wouldn't say it's ludicrous. I, 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 I don't see a problem. He's just saying that, you know, a team should be able to open up at home, especially uh, a Super Bowl winning team. Why not? You know, it, it, is, it is only a 16-game season, Mike, okay, and they only have very few games at home. So. All right, but wait a minute. Hold on. So, uh, in other words, you're you're saying Baltimore should change their schedule simply so that the Ravens can open up at home. It's only one game, Mike. I don't I don't see why it's uh you know not a big deal. You know, it's it's only one game out of 162 game season. So, oh, wow. You know, if they I decide guess, to uh you know do it, I I don't see the problem. You know, you know what? Why does it have to be that they have to change the day? Why can't they change the time of the game that day? Well, okay, and here's the other thing, though, that both you and I – and I'd have to ask – you'd have to talk, I guess, to folks in Baltimore. You know, you would ask the question, well, they don't play at the same place. No, they don't. The Orioles play at Camden Yards, and then um, just down the block, you've got uh, where the Ravens play. I, what is it, Ravens Stadium or whatever it's called. Whatever um, but Ray, uh, when I, yeah, Ray Lewis Dome. I when know. I was down there to uh, Baltimore last uh, summer, and I was there for a uh, for an Orioles game, uh, at the very same time that the Orioles game was going on, there was an international soccer match going on uh, down at the stadium. Uh, that soccer match was packed. Uh, I don't understand what the thinking is. Why can't you hold both at the same time? I don't get it. I, I say hold at the same time. Who cares? You know, like I said, and and then it's all going to depend on are the Baltimore Orioles at that time going to be in a playoff race? Well, and that's the other thing that I would agree not. with. Wow. Yeah, I would agree with you there. There there could be some animosity if, in fact, you're looking at a Baltimore Orioles team that's just playing out the remaining games just to get them out of the way, uh, and they're not going to be playoff contenders. Then you're going to have some. Uh, then you're going to have a fan base that's not going to be too happy. I don't know, man. I guess we will uh, definitely see what the fallout will be from uh, Rex Ryan's comments today if uh, they do not make the playoffs, the Orioles, and uh, if somehow they don't figure out a day that you know uh, a time to play the same day, both teams. I don't know. I, to me, I, I, I don't know. There's a pomposity about it that I just don't like. That that, that I guess that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, but then again, I mean, it is a, a written story. I like to hear the way you know, in the tone of voice that he said it as well. So, I don't know. We'll find out. Find out later on, Mike. But let's get to playoffs, Mike, and that's the NBA playoffs. Let's do our bracket right now. I want your choice from each game. We'll start off in the Western Conference, and I'll throw it at you right now. The Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Houston Rockets. Who do you have winning, why, and in how many games? Okay, so you want games on this as well? Of course. Okay. All right. Cool. We got to mark all of this down. Oh, okay. You want me writing this down? I'll, I'll do, I, I, I'm, I'm way ahead of you, man. Oh, you got it? Okay. If you got it this time, that's good. Um, I think you're probably going to hear from me that I'm pretty much going to be going chalk on most of this. Yeah. Um, uh, No, you, I'm going OKC on this one. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, why? You know, I, I got to be honest. I mean, I've I pointed this out numerous times, uh, Jonathan. You know uh, NBA basketball better than, better than I do. Oh, you know it good. So I, I I don't know if I can actually speak to any one specific or a couple of specific areas or key personnel or anything like that really on any of these teams per se. Uh, OKC is the number one number one team in uh, in the Western Conference. Houston uh, number eight team. Uh, you got to go with OKC on this. They, they've been a powerhouse all season long. Right. Um, 
How many games on this one? Uh, I would say OKC wins it four games to one. So you got OKC in five games. Correct. Okay. I got OKC as well. I'm also going five games, Mike. That's exactly where I was going. Now we got the Clippers versus the Memphis Grizzlies, Mike. Yeah. Well, uh, this is a four against a five, and I think it's actually a mismatch, uh, Jonathan. I think the Clippers are going are gonna to destroy Memphis. That's my personal opinion. Unlike when we get over to the other side and take a look at the East uh, on that 4-5. I think this 4-5 is lopsided. Uh, Clippers, I would have them going, I think I think that's going to be 4-1. to one. You got Clippers in five. All right, I'm going Clippers in six, Mike. Okay. I don't think it's as lopsided as you think it is right now. Okay. Denver Nuggets versus the Golden State Warriors, Mike. It's a tough call for me. Um, I know you've been singing uh, the praises of Denver uh, for a good portion of the season that you think that they're uh, a pretty good – I think Golden State's going to give them a fight. Yeah. Um, I think in the – this one I think could go seven games. I'm going to be perfectly blunt. I, I think in the end Denver will win because they're going to have home court advantage. I think it's going to go seven games. I'm going to go four to three Denver on this one. Wow. Okay, seven games. So you got Denver in seven games. I got Golden State Warriors in six games, Mike. Hmm. We're going a little different here. We've got to post these up later. All right, man, this is a matchup that's going to be real good, and I think we already know who's going to be the winner here. But San Antonio Spurs versus the Kobe-less Los Angeles Lakers, Mike. Well, you know, isn't it funny, Jonathan? Uh, here we are. Uh, the season is over. Uh, I think it was almost practically on the first day of the season. What was one of the first teams we, you and I started talking about? How about the Lakers? Lakers? We've been talking about the Lakers all season, Mike. All season long, we've been talking about the Lakers. I don't think we're going to have to talk about them too, too much longer. Uh, San Antonio in four games, four nothing. All right, I got you there, man. So you got San Antonio in four games. I'm also going San Antonio, but I'm going to go five games, Mike. Yeah, you're doing that just to be different. No I, no, I really think from what I've seen with the Lakers without Kobe over the last uh, few times that they've played, they've been playing better almost, Mike. Um, so I'm actually going to go with five games. Okay. I, I, I still think it could be a sweep, but I think the Lakers could sneak in a win there, Mike. All right. But we'll see what happens. Let's go over to the Eastern Conference now, Mike. And uh, first matchup, Miami versus Milwaukee. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this could be San Antonio, L.A., uh, in my opinion. I think Miami wins this one outright, 4 nothing. So you got Miami in four. Mike, I got Miami in four. Next matchup, Brooklyn Nets versus Chicago Bulls. This is a tough call. This is a really I, – I, I think unlike that 4-5 over on the other side, this is where I would say, and I think this one is a lot closer and a lot tougher to call. Um uh, boy, I just don't know where to go with this one. Um, I think this could go either way. I really, really do. Yeah, I think this. One. I think this could possibly. I think this could possibly be the most interesting first round matchup of all of them that's going on. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm gonna say Chicago wins this, but I think it's gonna go seven games. Oh wow! Okay, cool. I got the same thing. I got Chicago in seven games. Look at that. But I think I think that I think this could be I think this this particular round matchup could be the most compelling. Great. All right, man. Indiana Pacers versus the Atlanta Hawks, Mike. Um I'm not I've never I've not been enthralled with Atlanta all season long. I think they've been terribly, terribly inconsistent. Yeah. Um 
but it's that weaker end of the Eastern Conference there that they got in on. Correct. Uh, I'm going to take Indiana on this one. Um, I think Indiana wins it in six. Uh, I think Indiana is going to get bounced in the next round, however. But right. Indiana in six uh, on the round round one. All right. I also got Indiana in six. Now, good matchup for me here, Mike, because it's my New York Knicks versus yep. the Boston Celtics. It's going to be a good matchup. Where do you guys this going? It is. I. You know what I like about it, uh, Jonathan? I think of all of the matchups that are going on in round one, this one is the most classic, and I like that a lot. I really oh, like the classic. Always classic when the Knicks and the Celtics clash. Absolutely. Always. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I think you got to go with the Knicks on this one. Um uh, I I I think it could go. I don't think it's going to go seven, uh, but I could see Boston winning a couple. Uh, I, I think it's going to go. I think it'll be the Knicks in six. Okay, I also have the Knicks in six, Mike. How about that? Yep, I see the Knicks winning. So we got a couple of uh, we got a couple of uh, same things here. We both got the Oklahoma City Thunder going in five. You got the Clippers going in five games. I got the Clippers in six, Mike. You got Denver in seven games. I got Golden State in six. Spurs four. Spurs five. Um, you got the. We both got the Heat going for the sweep. The only team that uh, we got. Well, you got the Spurs going for the sweep. Um, we both got the Bulls going in seven. We both got Indiana going in six, and we both got the Knicks going in six. Yeah, we ought to post this. Um, yes, yes, we will. We will have create to create a this. little create a little table or something and show each one of us and then the matchups and see what it is. And then we'll track it as we go through, post it up on Fan Junkies or something, or I can get it over on uh, Sprout House Sports. All right, great. As long as we don't put pictures of each other, man, because we have a face for radio. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. All right. You've got it all written down, so maybe we'll we'll figure that one out. Yep. All right, we'll definitely do that. Uh, let's get into a little bit of NHL and NHL updates here right now. Um, if the playoffs were to start today, Mike, we would have the Rangers in the eighth spot at 48 points, taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Islanders, uh, you know, safe in that seventh spot right now after a big win over the Maple Leafs last night, Mike, uh, would be going up against Montreal. Washington against Ottawa and Boston versus Toronto, Mike. Yep. Got some yep. good matchups out there in the East. Out in the West, we would have, um, right now, Columbus in the eighth spot, Mike. How about that? 49 points. Detroit is now tied for that ninth spot with Dallas. But Dallas has the tiebreaker, Mike. Yep. So Dallas could make it into the playoffs. But right now, it would be the Blackhawks versus the Blue Jackets, the Ducks versus the Wild, the Canucks versus the Blues, and the Kings versus the Sharks, Mike. The Sharks. Started off so hot this season, they're in fifth place in the West. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, keep this in mind as well. Both Dallas and Detroit have two games in hand on Columbus. Yes. Both uh, of them uh, has so, got the numbers right now. Yeah, both uh, Dallas and Detroit still have five games remaining to this shortened season, where Columbus only has three. Yes. Got some uh, big games on the bill tonight. Rangers and Sabres, a must-win for the Rangers. Penguins and Bruins, always a good matchup. Stars and Blues, a must-win for Dallas right there, but facing a tough Blues team, Mike. Uh, Blackhawks and Predators, Oilers and Avalanche, which is really means nothing. And then we got the Ducks and Flames later on tonight at 9 o'clock uh-huh. at night. Uh, let's look at a little bit of MLB standings now, Mike. Let's see what we got here. We have uh, Boston still up front in the AL East, 11 games to four, Mike. Yeah, the, the, 
I keep waiting for him to falter a little bit. I keep waiting for Baltimore to jump up. Um, you know, I got to, you know, I'm going to say it again. It's still very, very early. Uh, but Boston's got to be, I mean, that that's got to make the folks up in Boston very, very happy to see this kind of sort of unexpected quick start. Yep, they're playing some good baseball right now. Uh, Yankees in second place. Uh, Toronto uh, in fourth. And uh, Toronto, uh, Ari Dickey left the game last night uh, with soreness, I believe, in his shoulder, Mike. So that doesn't look too good there. Um, AL Central, Detroit's got the lead there. I picked Detroit to go to the World Series this year. They're up 9-6. Kansas City right in second, Mike, 8-6. Still early. Yep. But we both like Kansas City. We always root for Kansas City. It's always yes. fun. Yes. Out in the AL West, Oakland, 12 wins, 4 losses. L.A. Angels, 4-10, and ten, Mike. Yep. That's, now, what's going on? What's going on with the Angels? I don't know. Nobody, nobody looks good there right now, Mike. The, you know, the problem there that you – and we talked about it uh, – I talked about it on, on Jim Williams' show the other night. Uh, the bats, man, they're just not hitting. They no. are just not hitting. No, they're not. We have to uh, also say that the uh, Boston Red Sox and the Oakland A's out in the AL are on a six-game and a three-game win streak. Mm-hmm. Let's look a little bit at the NL East here. Atlanta Braves, they, they continue to go strong. Uh, they're at 13-2 and leading the NL East, Mike. Uh, my Mets in third at 7-7. Seven seven. Your Phillies in fourth at 6-10. and ten. Yeah, not very good. And uh, that's about where I kind of thought. It, it, with the exception right now of Atlanta at the top, I think that this uh, National League East is kind of shaping up the way a lot of people expected. Yes. Uh, didn't expect, however, Atlanta – to already have a four-game lead over Washington. No, no. We had Washington in first, all of us, I believe, Atlanta in second, and we did have the Mets and Phillies hopping around for that third place. Exactly. Fourth place, and, of course, we all had Miami in last. So. Yep. Um, over in the NL Central, probably the one that's been uh, most competitive so far, St. Louis leads, but only by a half game over the Cincinnati Reds. I think when all is said and done, though, at the end of the year, Mike, that uh, Cincinnati will have this uh, NL Central wrapped up. So do I. Yeah. Absolutely. Better team. But Pittsburgh in third, man. They're coming back up 7-8. Uh, yep. Looking good there for Pittsburgh. Let's uh, look at the uh, NLS, though. Colorado Rockies. Colorado. Four on a six-game win streak, Mike. Yeah. Dodgers don't look good. San Francisco really doesn't look good. Diamondbacks, actually, for the trades that they made, they look a lot better than they thought they would, Mike. Yeah, Diamondbacks are in second place, two games out of first. Uh, and as you point out, Colorado, who'd have thunk this one? Colorado leading the West right now. Um, I had this coming down as a two-way race uh, between the Dodgers and the Giants, and it might still go that way. You know, again, still very early. Yeah, I mean, we're only two weeks into the season, um, but I have, you know, I've got the Dodgers winning the West outright. Uh, wow, Colorado, and as you point out, Arizona. Yeah. It's a close one, Mike, but I always say it's very, very early. Very early, but a lot of fun just uh, watching <laughs> as all of the – it's you know, it, baseball is always a lot more, I think, a lot more interesting when the unexpected does happen. Oh, absolutely, Mike. No doubt about it. Um, we do have a little bit of time left, Mike, so you know what? Let's look at a little bit of the uh, NHL mock drafts that uh, recently went up. Um, we'll save hours for Monday, though, but let's look at um, some of these over on NFL.com. But before we do that, just want to throw out another shout-out again to say that uh, uh, Eastern Michigan linebacker Justin Cudworth will be joining us on Wednesday's program. And also, do not forget, May 10th, our one, uh, our 100th episode 
We will be joined by former NHL referee and former Fan Junkies guest, Kerry Frazier. Um, great guy. Can't wait to hear more of his stories, Mike. We yep. will have a couple of other guests that day as well as we go two hours that day, yep. Mike. To uh, mark our 100th episode. Also on Monday, May 6th, we'll be joined by WIFL owner Ray Blanchett once again to uh, talk about some of the things going on in WIFL. And that's actually the day after their uh, Lakeland, Florida tryout, Mike. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, you and I will be at the Philadelphia tryout covering as uh, media members. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We have a lot of good things cooking for the Philadelphia tryout, things we cannot announce yet, but we will in the coming weeks. And, um, you know, for the ladies who want to be paid to play professional football, they got a lot of tryouts going out national right now. Get over to WIFLfootball.com. Try out. There is a $25 registration fee, but they all, but portions of the pro, of the pro, of uh, the registration fees go to great, great, great causes. I know the one in Philadelphia, portions of that will go to the Last Chance Ranch, helping out um, this beautiful ranch out in Quakertown, Pennsylvania, and rescue animals. And I know down in Florida, they're doing things with the SPCA, uh, you know, brothers and sisters. They're doing a lot of great charity work. So definitely get over to WIFL.com, try out. And you know what? Even if you can't make the chat and you want to help out a good cause, um, you know, register anyway. Because, uh, you know what? It'll help the WIFL, and it'll also help these wonderful charities, Mike. Yep. Great stuff. All right, so let's look at the uh, latest mock draft from Matt Smith over at NFL.com, Mike. Um, seems to be the trend now. Luke Jokel, offensive tackle, Texas A&M going number one to Andy Reid's Kansas City Chiefs, Mike. Yeah, it does seem to be the trend. I mean, almost every – as we get closer and closer uh, to the NFL draft, and I guess by next Friday at this time, Jonathan will already have, what, the first round under – under. it'll be done. Yes. That takes place next Thursday night. Yeah. Uh, so we'll know uh, next week at this time what the first round looks like. Um, but more and more – Luke Jokel is appearing to be the number one pick in uh, this year's draft. Yep, definitely. And number two, it seems to be the trend as of late, too. My favorite guy, Mike. Yeah. Guy I would love to see go to the Jets is uh, Oregon defensive end Deion Jordan, and he would be going to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars in these mock drafts. Correct. I have seen, uh, however, in many other uh, – I don't think that this one – that this pick is quite as universal as Jokel. I have seen Sharif Floyd going number two. A lot in this particular draft, we've got Sharif Floyd going third, but I have seen him in many other mock drafts going as high as three. I've seen Dean Milner up there at three, so I, I'm not sure if uh, if this one's quite as solid as that Jokel pick. Yeah, I've actually been reading a lot of things where they're saying Dean Milner probably won't even ma- uh, be a top ten pick. So really, yeah, I was very shocked about reading about that this morning. I can't remember where, but I was wow. very shocked about that. So wow. But then again, if he's there at number nine, man, Jets, jump all over it, man, because he's going to be a good, good, good NFL player. I know a couple of weeks ago, Bucky Brooks from NFL.com had Geno Smith from uh, West Virginia down as the number two pick going to Jacksonville. Still going to happen. This is only just mock drafts. Um, number three, Raiders, uh, I know Matt Smith has uh, Sheriff Floyd, defensive tackle from Florida, going to Oakland. Right. Mike, number four, your Philadelphia Eagles. You let me know what you think. He's got Ziggy Ansa going from BYU, defensive end. What do you think of that pick for the Eagles? Um, I'm not thrilled with it. I, I, I think uh, I really believe in everything that I've heard. Uh, they're talking about an offensive tackle. They're talking about Eric Fisher, um, and that's what I have. That's what I've heard. I've heard that more than likely the Eagles are going to go in that direction. Um, so uh, I, I think that's where they're. I think that's where they've identified their greatest need 
Yeah. Over the uh, last four mock drafts on NFL.com, they've had Ziggy Ansa, D. Milliner, Geno Smith, Mike, yep. and Luke Jokel going to the Eagles. But I don't see Jokel lasting that long. Going well, to- and more and more, I'm hearing Geno Smith, as you point out uh, about uh, – who did you just point out about uh, with Fisher? Um, more and more, I'm hearing Geno Smith may not make the top ten. No, I don't, I don't think Geno Smith is going to make the top 15 right now yep, yep. with the way everything's going. Uh, number five at the lines, it would be uh, offensive tackle Eric Fisher, who we just spoke about, Mike. Number six would be the Browns. Real good pick for him if he's there. I don't see how they cannot take him. D. Milliner, cornerback from Alabama. Seven, Arizona Cardinals. you got to have offensive tackles down in Arizona, something they've lacked for so many years, Mike. Good pick here for them, Lane Johnson from Oklahoma. Number eight, Geno Smith going to the uh, Buffalo Bills and Matt Smith's mock draft on NFL.com. I think that's very, very possible right there. I, I think it could be possible. If if he's not doesn't go to the Bills, Mike, I don't see him going in the top ten. Um, if he doesn't go to the Bills, I don't see him going in the top fifteen. Mike. I agree with you. I don't think there's any other uh I don't think there's any other team uh looking down past uh looking down past Buffalo. Uh, that would identify a quarterback as a big need. Absolutely. Uh, so that's why I would agree with you. I think that the eight is, is a very, very real possibility for Geno Smith. And like you, Jonathan, I agree. Uh, if it's not going to be Buffalo, then it's going to be much later in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. Number nine, my Jets. Uh, he's got Jarvis Jones, outside linebacker of Georgia. I think that's a good move for you guys. I, I, I think it's a very good move. They desperately need an outside linebacker. If somehow, Mike... Deion Jordan falls down to the Jets. That's where I want to see the Jets go, but it's not happening. Deion Jordan is not making it past the top four. Right. Um, number 10, offensive guard Jonathan Cooper, North Carolina, would go to the Tennessee Titans. Now let's look at this. Following them, it would be the Chargers, Mike. Dolphins, Buccaneers, Panthers, Saints. I don't see any of those teams taking a chance on Geno Smith. If he gets past the 15 mark without being chosen, the only team I think that would be a possibility of choosing him would possibly be the Minnesota Vikings at either 23 or 25. Hmm. Because you got Dalton with the Bengals. The Rams, you know they're going to want to give Bradford another shot or two. I, I really don't see Jeff Fisher taking, you know, wanting to have a Geno Smith there. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like a Matt Barkley or um, the guy from Syracuse. What's his name? Um, uh, Ryan Nassib. Uh, Nassib, yeah, Ryan Nassib. You don't, you don't think, you don't think Cincinnati? No, I really don't, man. Because honestly, I think, I, I think Dalton is, is is doing a good job for them out in Cincinnati. But at the same time, Dalton's got no weapons, and he's doing that kind of work. Yeah, you know. So I, I mean, that's where my opinion falls in the matter. I, I like Andy Dalton. Hey, if they want to take Geno Smith, just call up Cincinnati and see what you know. What give them Revis and grab Andy Dalton? I'd, I'd be happy with that. Well, Minnesota certainly would have. I mean, they're, they they've got two picks in the first round. So Minnesota certainly could wager one of them. Let's put it that way on 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 taking a Geno Smith. Um, but uh, hmm. interesting, yeah. I you know you, you present an interesting uh, dilemma there. Interesting yeah. dilemma. What about the Texans? Texans, I don't see it. I think uh, sure, but I think they're going to stick with him for at least another couple to a few years, Mike. I just don't don't see it. But then again. Is Geno Smith the kind of guy that the Houston Texans would want? I just don't see. You know, if you look at the types of styles of quarterbacks that certain teams always stick with, Geno Smith doesn't fit that bill. You know what I mean? But then again, that's true. You know what? Matt Barkley down in Houston. I think that would be a nice fit for him. So yeah, 
But yep. once again, uh, if Geno Smith doesn't go um, early on, I don't see him lasting that long. Uh, he could possibly last until the second round, but I think almost all quarterbacks will. So. Very, very possible. You're right. Yeah, but we'll right. see what happens. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the teams on the on the back end from 15 down, they're all focused on defensive players because this is a very heavy defensive draft. Uh, yeah. You know, I think a lot of the people are, you know, a lot of these teams are going to go offense in the later rounds, you know, right. second to later. Um, that's why, and it's such a – a, a bad draft for quarterbacks like that, you could possibly see a, a good athletic mobile quarterback like John Lobb, who we had on today with us. He could go in the later rounds to a team that's interested on, 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 on taking on multiple quarterbacks for the future. So. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And that's why I asked him, you know, if being what has been considered to be a weak QB class, you know, does that give him a bit of a leg up? Yeah, so – We'll definitely see what happens, and uh, you know what? We'll go over it this weekend, Mike, and you and I will give us, uh, you know, give everybody our own mock draft on Monday. Mm-hmm. See where we see certain players go. Absolutely. Um, real quick, uh, our uh, dumbass story of the day, Mike. <laughs> a uh, a man out in Illinois is uh, suing Derek Rose of the Chicago Bulls, um, stating um, that the season, him missing the entire season, has caused him to have mental breakdowns and emotional distress which ultimately led to obesity issues. Um, the guy, uh, not entirely sure what his, his name is. Let me see. Da, 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 da. Oh, I don't Matthew see a name. Oh, does it have a name? Yeah, Matthew oh, Thompson. He also claims that Rose was negligent in refusing to return despite being cleared by team doctors, which led to his current health issues. Uh, we want to thank uh, NBAMistress.com for that report. Dear God. Hey, what do you think of that? This is ridiculous. You know, when, when you first threw it over to me, I laughed so hard. I said, boy, can you imagine what we could do here in Philadelphia? We could file a class action suit uh, against Andrew Bynum. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, hopefully this gets thrown out immediately. This is ludicrous. Yes. Absolutely ludicrous. Uh, although you got to give it to the guy for uh, creativity. Yeah, creativity. He was, he was, he was probably obese before uh, Derek Rose got injured. Oh, my God. Oh God! I, I want to see before and after pictures of uh, this guy in 2011 and what he looks like this year. Excuse me, 2012. Caused him, to, caused him to have mental breakdowns and emotional distress. Listen, man, I, I, I got to tell you, Mike, I've been eating awfully a lot lately. I think I'm going to file a lawsuit against James Dolan, man. <laughs> He's killing me, man. I want to have on my uh, feet over here. Oh my God! Uh, unbelievable. This is a. Uh, it's it's wow. Uh, it's right. Uh, you know, he really probably, though, should have waited until after the uh, playoffs, you know? Yeah, you think, but uh, who knows? We'll see what happens. I guess uh, Derek Rose playing in the playoffs won't help his weight issue, though. So. <laughs> All right, Mike, that's it for today's show. It was a great, great, great show. We want to thank uh, Russ Cohen for joining us earlier about the six-down games that the NHL are planning on uh, putting into next season. We also want to uh, thank University of Richmond quarterback John Lobb, heading into the NFL draft and wish him nothing but the best of luck next week. And uh, we hope to see him uh, get drafted to an NFL team and then have him back on as an NFL player. Would that would be cool. Privilege. Would be real privilege. Great guy, great guy. Remember the name John Lobb. Uh, we should see him in the NFL eventually, if not next week. Um, big shows. Like I said, Wednesday we'll be joined by Eastern, uh, Eastern Michigan linebacker um, Justin Cudworth. So look for you know look forward to that and then on Monday we'll give you our mock draft here on Fan Junkies Radio. As always, check out FridayHouseSports.net, FanJunkies.net. We really appreciate it. Without all of you, our listeners, we would be nothing. And also, once again, our uh, thoughts and prayers out to everybody in Boston and also down in uh, West Texas after that uh, fertilizer plant explosion. Uh, we're all thinking of you here at Fan Junkies Radio. Yep. So anyway. 
For Mike McShane, I'm Jonathan Ragus. We'll see you all on Monday. Catch you then. Oh, Friday. Sorry. We'll catch you on Friday. <laughs>